number eight. Let's go ahead and, and go to the Lord with a word of prayer, and then we're going to get right on into our message this Christmas morning. Heavenly Father, we bless you today. We thank you for this Christmas morning, the opportunity to honor you with our lives. Thank you for the a people, God, that have chosen to honor you above other things that we could have done. Lord, we've come to set our hearts upon you afresh. Lord, as we seek you this morning, we pray that you would set our hearts ablaze. Lord, I thank you. Your word says that when we draw near to you, that you draw nigh unto us. And Lord, we pray this morning that as we seek you, God, that you would begin to reveal yourself to each and every person here today. I ask, Lord, your anointing over your word today. Let it be anointed, God, to accomplish what you desire in this service today. And Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing to hear and to receive all that the Spirit is speaking this day. Lord, we thank you for this Christmas morning, and we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, well, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful this Christmas morning that we have a Savior named Jesus. Amen. Jesus came to the earth 2,000 years ago to redeem us. One of the sad realities is that the world that we live in is a fallen world. Amen. It's a fallen world. I was telling our daughter just not too long ago, you know, the world is bad. The world is bad. It's not a good place. It's not a good place. It's not a nice place. It's a bad place. But when God created the world, he created it good. He said it's good. Amen. But then the serpent came in the garden and then Eve was tempted. And ever since that moment of temptation and Eve gave in to that moment of temptation and Adam followed her hook, line and sinker from that moment forward, there's been a curse on the land. There's been a curse on humans. There's been a curse on our souls. But God came to show us goodness. God came to show us goodness. There was goodness in that garden for a moment. And right now, we can experience goodness in our soul. And there's coming a time when goodness is going to be restored in the earth. Amen? And so we're thankful for that. So Jesus did come to redeem us. We're going to pick up our passage here in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse number eight, the Christmas story, as you know, Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Mary and Joseph had brought uh, all the way over to, Bre- to Bethlehem and Jesus was born there. And look what it says in verse number eight. It says that there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I want to tell you, the Christmas message is for all people. The Christmas message is not for just one group of people, one ethnicity, one kind of people. The Christmas message is for all people. You know, God knows what's going on in your life. God knows the problems that you have. God knows the setbacks in your life. God knows the, the, the problems. He knows your issues. Amen. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how many hairs are not there. Amen. He knows us inside and out. He knows your thoughts. He knows your worries. He knows your fears. But this Christmas message starts out by these angels saying, God's come to bring glad tidings, these good tidings, and it's for all people. It's for all people. It's for lonely people. 
It's for lonely people. It's for people that are grief-stricken. It's for sick folks. Amen. It's for proud folks. Amen. It's for, it's for the drug addict. It's for the prostitute. Amen. It's for the backslider. It's for all people. Amen. It's, it's for red, yellow, black, and white. Republican or Democrat. Russian or American. It's for all people. This gospel message, this Christmas message that God came to the earth is good tidings for every single person. You know why? Because God created you. God created you. Amen. And you may, you may think that there's nothing good in the world anymore because things are just bad and things are not like they used to be and things are hard and I've been overlooked or things have come against me. But I want you to know God's got something good for you. And I want to tell you what that good thing is. That good thing is Jesus. Amen. That good thing is Jesus. God's got something good for you today and no power in hell can take it away. No demon can take it away. No curse can take it away. Amen. God said in the Old Testament that you cannot curse what God has blessed. Amen. I don't know about you, but I stand on that promise. It doesn't matter what kind of witch puts a curse on you. If you stand in the glory of God and the blessing of God, there ain't no curse. Amen. That can take away God's blessing. Amen. You cannot curse what God has blessed. Amen. And I want you to know there's a Christmas blessing for you. It doesn't matter what your background is or what you're going through, I want you to know there is a Christmas blessing for you in Jesus. Amen. It may not be in candy canes and gifts. It may not be in an abundance of food or family or friends, but it's in Jesus. That's where the Christmas blessing is. Amen. Let's read further in this passage. Amen. He said, um, he said, this is verse 11, for unto you, this is the continuation for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This is my favorite part of this chapter. This is not the main part of the text, but this is just my favorite part. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I love this part because as the angel of the Lord, it says, began to reveal this to these country shepherds, these, these country folks. You know, country folks, that's the, the folks with common sense, right? Amen. That's, that's the people that need to be running the nations, right? These common sense folks, these country folks. That angel of the Lord appeared to these country, these country shepherds. And begin to talk. And as that angel began to speak, all the other angels began to shout. Amen. Amen. They said, they said, we can't hold it in anymore. We can't hold it in anymore. This is the plan of all plans. This is the plan from the foundation of the world. The, this plan has been in, in, in motion. It's been carried out. That lineage of Christ the Lord, the Davidic line has been in motion. God's been ready. He's been set and he's waited for this moment to come to earth and he incarnated in the womb of Mary and now he's come to be born. And they shouted and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, right? So glory to God. Glory to God for what he's done. Let's glorify God for what he's done. He's chosen to give us mercy, right? 
And then, then and everything that we do always goes to God first. We love the Lord our God first with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. No marriage can make it if you love your spouse more than God. Amen. Nothing's going to make it if you love anything more than God. God's a jealous God. You've got to put God first. You've got to put God above everything else. And so first thing these angels, they glory in God, and then they focus on earth. Now, on earth, it says on earth, peace. Goodwill to men. I told you earlier that there was no good. There, the, after the Garden of Eden, there's no more good in the earth. The earth has been cursed by death, sorrow, sickness, shame, grief. All the things that sin brings into our life. Murder, vengeance, all of these things that happens in the earth because of sin. But the angels are telling you right now, God's sending goodwill to you. Amen. Even though you live in a fallen world, there's a lifeline of goodness that God is sending out to you. There's a lifeline of goodness that God is sending out to you. No matter how hard it is, God is sending to you a lifeline of goodness. And you may think, well, I got a promotion. That was good. Promotions come and promotions go. Amen. Just because you got more money in your wallet don't mean somebody's not going to steal it. You might have money in the bank. Don't mean that somebody's not going to take that too. Amen. Amen. So you can't put your hopes in your, 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 you cannot consider materialistic things as blessings. Amen. What is a blessing is that which is spiritual, that which cannot be taken away. It comes from God. Amen. This goodness that God can give you, it is a lifeline from God to you, and you cannot get it in the world. It only comes from God. And it says, on earth, peace. I want you to know that one of the things that is sorely missing in our world today, one of the things that is sorely missing in our lives today is we don't have peace. We don't have peace. You know, the world is clamoring for peace. They're actually going to be coming into a one world government soon. They're actually going to be moving into a one world religion soon. You know why? The promise of peace. The promise of peace. They're going to try to move everything into it. Everything's about safety and peace. That's the MO of the Antichrist. But the world can never achieve peace. Peace can only come through God because he is peace. The word says he is the prince of peace. He is peace. Amen. He is peace. And you cannot have peace without Jesus. Amen. So this scripture is telling you that peace comes from God and you cannot have peace until you get right with Jesus. The reason why so many people need alcohol or need drugs or they need fornicate or they need this, they need more covetous things is because they don't have peace. They're in turmoil on the inside. They've got this churning where they've always got to be nagging. They've always got to do this. They've always got to do that because they don't have the peace of God in their soul. The peace of God is an anchor for the soul of a Christian. And what we need in the days that we live is the peace of God. And that only comes from Jesus. Amen. We need the peace of God. We need peace with God and we need the peace of God. That's two different things. One of the things that we see in scripture is that the peace of God is what passes all understanding. No one can understand how you can have peace in the middle of a fiery furnace. Nobody can understand how you can have peace in the belly of a whale. Nobody can understand how you can have peace when the whole world's been flooded and you're the only one in the ark. Nobody can understand, but God said you can have his peace. And the second way of peace is peace with God. 
I want you to know that all of us have transgressed against God and all of us have gotten out of his will and all of us have to have God move toward us in order to receive peace. Peace with God can only come through the blood of Jesus Christ. God himself had to incarnate in flesh, and that blood atonement on the cross is the only means that you can have peace with God. You must have peace with God, and the only way that that peace with God can be achieved is through the sacrifice of Jesus himself. Amen. You might say, well, that sounds kind of astounding. Why can't I just talk to God and just tell him, you know, well, I didn't mean to mess up and I didn't mean to lie and I didn't mean to steal, you know, that stuff that I stole and I didn't mean to do what I did. Why can't we just make that good? Because God's holy, holy, holy. Amen. God's so far above us and we're so far beneath him. But the blessing of the gospel is that he condescended to where we are to provide an atonement for us to get where he is. That's the blessing of Christmas. He condescended to where we are so that we could go to where he is. And that's the blessing of Christmas. Now, these angels begin to tell these shepherds, and the shepherds at that moment, they begin to go into Bethlehem, and they went to go see this babe in a manger. And they went to go, and they, they worshiped this child. They worshiped this the son of God, the, the son given, the child born, as Isaiah says. And what's amazing, it says in verse, um, let's speak it up in verse number 19. After all this happened, it says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and pondered them. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when, it, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And we read that, you can read that in Matthew 1, verse 21. But the angel said, this is going to be his name. God's coming. He's going to come inside you. You're blessed and highly favored, and you're going to call him Jesus. That's going to be his name. His, his name means salvation. Amen. So these shepherds leave, and Mary begins to just think about all these things. That may be where that song comes forward. Mary, did you know? She just began to think through all of these things, just begin pondering. You know, she's been overwhelmed by so many things and thinking on these things. And now it's time for Jesus to be circumcised. And there's a part of the Jewish law where they had to go and bring him as a sacrifice. Every, every first thing that came out of the womb had to be a sacrifice unto God as it relates all the way back to the nation of Israel coming out of out of Egypt but instead of offering the child they could offer a sacrifice in lieu of the child and so that's what they're going to go do and that's the part I want to I want to get to this morning it says in verse number 22 when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
and the Holy Ghost was upon him. This man Simeon is what I'm going to focus on this morning. Simeon is a man of God. He's a devout man of God, and he's waiting for the consolation. He's waiting for the promise. He's waiting. How many of you know that sometimes life just doesn't seem fair? Amen? Sometimes life just doesn't seem fair. And, 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 and the nation of Israel had been waiting for its Savior and, and, and has been longing for its Savior, been longing for deliverance, been longing for help. How long, Lord, until you help? How many of you have been there in a moment of time where you've thought, Lord, when are you going to move? When are you going to move? Famously, they say that, you know, from, from the last chapter of the Old Testament up to this time period with Jesus was what they call the, the, the time of silence, of 400 years. There was 400 years of prophetic silence. Nothing going on. And they've just been going, they're still, you know, in servitude to the Roman soldiers. They have to do everything that the Romans tell them to do. They can't get too crazy with their worship. They have to, it's kind of like, you know, today, a lot of times people think, you know, they, they can't get too carried away with their love and their zeal for God. But they couldn't get too far carried away because the Romans would pipe it down. And he was waiting for the consolation and the Holy Ghost. Notice that the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed to him, verse 26. It was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he got a revelation from God. And he wasn't going to die until the consolation came. He may not be able to experience a lot of it, but he was at least going to see Christ before he died. And this old man of God had a walk with God. That tells me that this man had a prayer life. The word of God calls him devout. That means he was dedicated. He was pure. He kept his vessel holy. He stayed on fire for God. And I want to tell you, if you'll keep yourself pure and stay on fire for God and stay in your prayer closet, God will begin to reveal things to you because our God is a revealing God. Amen. Our God is revealing God. It says in the book of Exodus, when Moses went to go talk to the nation of Israel, God said, I've told them, right? I've been known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the almighty God. But I'm going to show myself as Jehovah. I'm now going to show myself as Jehovah. What does that mean? The word Jehovah means the God who reveals. The God who reveals. In other words, God wants you to know him. God wants to be personal to you. Instead of just knowing, just like in today's society, people having a concept of, of God, like maybe a, a, an Oprah Winfrey thing, just a conceptual thing. There's an almighty something out there. There's an almighty something out there. But when God chooses to reveal himself to your soul, to your heart, so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt who your creator is. Who your creator is, he's going to reveal himself to you. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's just Jehovah Nisi. He's Jehovah Sid Canoe. He is the Lord of glory, and he is the God who will come right where you're at, and he will show you who he is. God desires to reveal himself to you. 
I don't know what you're going through or what your battle is, but if you'll keep yourself pure, stay on fire for God, and get in your prayer closet, God will begin revealing himself to you. It doesn't matter where you live or what your background is. Once you begin to seek the Lord with all your heart, you will find the Lord when you search for him with all your heart. Amen? Because he's a revealing God. Because he's a revealing God, our God's not dead. He's alive. And he will show you and tell you exactly who he is. He will come down upon you and he will whisper into your soul who he is. And I'm telling you, his name is Jesus. Amen. His name is Jesus. So this this man of God, he was devout. He got a revelation. It's so important for you to know that God wants to reveal to you who he is. And you may say, well, I know who God is. Well, you know what? I need a fresh revelation of God every day. You may know who God is. You might have studied that in Sunday school when you was a kid. That's great. Let's hand clap for you. But what you need today is a fresh revelation of who God is in your life right now. You need to know who God is right now in your struggle to pay bills or your struggle to stay healthy or your struggle to stay at peace, your struggle to stay out of fear, your struggle to keep sanity. You need to know who God is. You need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is in your moment right now. And I'm telling you, sickness will go, darkness will go, fear will go. Amen. All of the, all of the stress and anxiety that the world is bringing upon people today will leave in Jesus' name. Because he will reveal to you exactly who he is. He's your creator. He's your creator. Amen. So you don't have to go. You Listen, this is the best thing about it. You don't have to go to a man like me to get to who he is. Because he will reveal who he is to you. To you. That's what's so beautiful about the atoning blood of Jesus. Because he's your savior. Amen. He's your Jesus. He's your God. He's your maker. He's your high priest. He, he paid the price for you. And he invites you to come to his near presence today. Amen. So this man of God, Simeon, he got this revelation. And look what happens. After he got this revelation that he's not going to die before he sees the Christ. It says he came by the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God saying, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. This man, you see those country shepherds, they got the show. The country shepherds got the, the angel of the Lord, and then they got the host of heaven to break out. I mean, they saw, they saw something better than fireworks over the Red River. I mean, they saw something to behold. They saw the host of angels singing and glorying God. This man, this man Simeon, though, he got a word from God in a prayer closet. He got a revelation from God alone. Amen. It was just him and Jesus. And God began to speak in his soul and say, look, you're not going to die until you see me. 
Until you see my arm of salvation. I'm going to come. I'm going to redeem my people. And you're going to see it. Amen. And I want you to know, you may not see the fireworks of everyone else. But if you'll get in that prayer closet and seek the face of God, God will reveal to you truth. God will impart to you something so beautiful and so special. And, And this man, Simeon, when he saw Jesus, he knew by the Spirit, that's the one. He knew by the Spirit that's the one. Uh, No doubt, no doubt there were many children that were coming to be brought before the Lord at this time. No doubt people were being born. Amen. And this, this Simeon, he got this revelation. This is the one. And I love what he broke out and said. I love what he broke out and said. He said, my eyes have seen Thy salvation. Notice the word thy in the King James. That means yours and yours alone. Thy is singular. Right? Thy is singular. Thine be the glory. Thine be the kingdom. Thy salvation. That means salvation belongs to God. It comes from God. God's the one that rescues us. If God doesn't move on our behalf, we're not going to make it. If God wouldn't have had mercy upon us, we would be without mercy, without grace, and on our way to hell. But God's plan of salvation was to come to the earth, be born in a manger, die on a cross, and rise from the dead on the third day. That was God's plan of salvation. It's His salvation. And notice what He says next. He says, Which thou prepared before the face of all people, people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people. I want to tell you about this right here. A light to lighten the Gentiles. You see, I said earlier at the beginning when that angel came and brought the news at the very beginning that this is good news to all people. And when, and when Simeon here talks about the Gentiles, he's coming into that same vein, that this Jesus is born first to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. That's me and you. The Gentile is, is any person that is not a born Jew. But this gospel message is to all people. And it says a light to lighten the Gentiles. I want to tell you, that there, now they didn't have electricity back then, but they did have candles. And undoubtedly, they did have lights. They would go home and they would light a candle and they would sit around the fire and they would talk about the ball game or they would talk about work or they would talk about this or that or whatever. They had lights, but not the kind of light God's talking about. And what I want to tell you today is there's many people in our world, they may live in electronic light. They may live in a, in a house full of light bulbs. You may live in a, in, a, in a world that's full of LED lights, but still walk in darkness. But still walk in darkness. You see, that's what God's talking about. And there's a world of people today that are in darkness. Because why? Because they don't know Jesus. Until someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they will remain in darkness. But God's gift, God's mercy is to bring light to every soul. That light is Jesus. The word lighten there, I looked that up. Why did God use that word? The word lighten, I want you to think about this. It means to dissipate the darkness. To dissipate the darkness. That means when Jesus comes, he's going to come and he's going to dissipate the darkness in our lives. So many people today, they they are in darkness because they just 
don't know God. They're in darkness. I was that I was that way. I needed the things of the world because I didn't have God. I was my soul was dark. My soul was dark. I was as worldly as a worldly folk can get. I didn't know God more than a man in the moon. I was walking in darkness without the light of life at all until I met Jesus, until I came upon my knees and confessed my sins and repented and believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. From that day forward, God's given me light. But up until that time, I walked in darkness. And the people of the world today, they don't need another stimulus check. They don't need the things that the world can give. They don't need a new car. They don't need this. They don't. What do we need? We need the light that comes from God. We need the light that comes from God. God will begin to reveal to you truth that you couldn't see before him. When you're in darkness, you can't see. Amen. God said these people, they don't know their left from their right in the Old Testament. And when you're in darkness, you can't tell your left from your right. Amen. You can't see five feet in front of you when you're in darkness. Amen. But when that light comes on, you can begin to say, oh, you know what? I don't need to be going over there. When that light comes on, you need, you'll, you'll begin to say, you know what? That's not good for me to do. When that light comes on, you'll begin to know which way you should walk and how you should conduct your life. But until that light comes on, you just roaming about in the darkness, seeing what you can feel with your hands. And the, the sad condition of our world today and the sad state of affairs is many people choose to live a life in darkness instead of humbling themselves and receiving Christ the Messiah and allowing him to lighten their soul, to dissipate the darkness of despair, to dissipate the darkness of depression, to dissipate the darkness of loneliness, to dissipate that darkness can only come through faith in Jesus Christ and if you'll come and humble yourself before your maker he will lighten you because he loves you and he wants to show you mercy he wants to reveal who he is to you because he's your God he's your maker and he loves you and he will show you who he is amen he will show you who he is People today, they don't have peace. They don't have grace because they don't have Jesus. But once we come to Jesus, God begins to reveal things to us that we otherwise would not have seen, just like a person stumbling about in the darkness. We don't have life without Jesus. Amen. When we're in darkness, we think life consists of the things that we can just feel our way around the room. When we're in darkness, we have such a small, trivial view of life. Amen. You think life is about how much money you make, how much money you do this. You think life is about your sports team. You think life is about how good a drug can make you feel. You think life is about how this does to you or that does to you. Amen. But when the light comes on, you begin to get a bigger view of what life truly is. That life is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, come on, and the life. Amen. And no one can come to the Father but by me. But he is the life. And when the light comes on, you begin to see the value of life. Life is meant to glorify God. He's the one that turned on the light, so I'm going to walk in the light because he turned on the light. Amen. 
because he turned on the light. Now, to dissipate darkness is only one way that can happen, and that's through Jesus. That's why I always tell people, you can't always be mad at worldly folks. We, we get mad at the schools because they teach heathen stuff, and we take issue up with them. You know, we tell them, y'all don't need to be teaching evolution. You need to be telling people that God created them. You know, that stuff. We, we get into it about that stuff. But the reality is, is you cannot expect worldly folk to act godly. Because they don't have light. They're walking in darkness. And until they get right with Jesus, they're going to continue to walk in darkness. Every person, every person that is outside of Jesus will remain in darkness until they humble their soul. Until they humble their soul. And God's waiting. God's waiting. He stands at the door and knocking. Amen. He's waiting upon his people to humble themselves so that he can reveal who he is. Amen. Once again to our lives. Amen. People today, they're running out of hope. Our, our world is crashing. Our world's crashing and burning. It's like, you know, one time I was I was driving down the road when I was in college and there was ice on the road and I'd never done that before. And my, my back end just began to, to skate on that ice. My, my back end went this way, and before you know it, I was driving sideways down the highway, and, and I couldn't control it anymore. I was, just, I was just along for the ride wherever the ice took me. Wasn't nothing you could do. And you know what? That's the way the world is right now. The, the world is spinning out of control, and these people today are hopeless and the reason why so many people are hopeless is because they don't have Jesus. And, but they don't know what to do with their hopeless feelings. So they're indulging themselves in alcohol. They're numbing themselves through drugs. They're indulging themselves in sports fanaticism or this or that. They're, they're, they're devoting all of their waking thoughts to things to keep their mind preoccupied. We've got grown men that'll sit in their mama's basement and play video games all day long. We, we've got people that are, that'll, that'll look for love in the wrong places and do this and do that. Why? Because they don't have hope. They don't have hope and they're in darkness right now and they're running out of things to put their hope in. They're running out of things to put their hope in because no politician's worthy of your hope. I don't care who the politician is. No politician's worthy of your hope. The mess that our nation has gotten itself into, a politician will not lead us out of. The only hope that our nation has is that the church gets things right. That the church gets things right and gets the Holy Ghost fire going in it again. It starts leading the nation from the pulpit. The hope for our nation has to come from the church of Jesus Christ. We have to be leading the way. We have to be telling people right from wrong. But it can't just be, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be from the anointing of God. Because the anointing of God is what breaks strongholds. The anointing of God is what sets the captive free. The the anointing of God is what binds up the broken. That's what our world, our world needs a touch of the anointing of God like never before. We need the light of God and the church has to get this right. We've got to humble ourselves as a church, seek the face of God, get fresh fire in the church house and go out into the world, into the highways and the byways and compel the lost to come in. Amen. Because they're in darkness and they don't know which way to turn. Amen. They don't know which way to turn. But we know who they need to turn to. 
And we're not going to point them to a politician. We're not going to point them to a government program. We're not going to point them to a denomination. We're not going to point them to some pope. We're not going to point them to this or point them to that. Who are we going to point them to? The Lord Jesus Christ who will lighten every single person. He will bring light to those prostitutes. He will bring light to those drug addicts. He will bring light to those alcoholics. He will bring light to those who have committed abortion. He will bring light to those who are bound by homosexuality. He will bring light to those who are downtrodden by sin from the world. And he will bring light to them. Amen? That's who our God is. That's who our God is. He's saving souls right now in a jail somewhere. He's saving soul right now and somebody dying on their hospital bed. He's saving their soul. He's saving the lost. He's saving the downtrodden. He's saving folks because that's what he does. He reveals who he is to those in darkness. And I want you to know this Christmas morning, don't spend another day in darkness. God wants to be your consolation. God wants to be your comforter. Amen. God wants to be your joy. God wants to be your song. God wants to show you light. He wants to reveal himself to you. Amen. He wants to reveal himself to you. God's goodness. God's goodness is available for you in Jesus. In Jesus. He came to the earth to be a light to the Gentiles. Amen. There's no light outside of him. Turn with me to John chapter 8. I'll show you what he says here in John chapter 8. There's a lot of people hurting today. There's a lot of people hurting today. And there's, there's a lot of people looking for help. But until they come to the cross, they're going to make things worse. The longer we delay, the longer we hold out on God. But I tell you what, when you come to that place, when you come to that place where you say, Lord, are you willing to touch me? Lord, are you willing to have mercy on me? Like, God, you know what I've done. You know my doubt. You know my shame. You know what I've done. You know I've wasted time. I've wasted years. I've hurt folks. But you're willing to have mercy on me. Yes, those that are bound in darkness, shame, regret, those that have had setbacks and failures and roadblocks, he will be your light. He will show you mercy, and he will begin to lead you out of the valley that you've been in. He will begin to take you out of the wilderness that you've been in. He will begin to take you out of this desert place that you've been walking through and he will lead you beside still waters. He will lead you to the green pasture. He will cause your soul to lie down. He will be your shepherd. He will be your God and he will sustain you and feed you with the good things for your soul. He will be your God. Amen. I want to tell you Jesus will be there when other people won't. Amen. There's coming a time when each and every one of us is going to close our eyes in death. Whether through a car accident, whether at a hospital bed, whether we just get raptured out of here. But there's coming a day we're going to close 
close our eyes and our body's going to hit the ground, but our soul's going to go somewhere. And on that moment, amen, you better be right with Jesus. Amen. You better be right with Jesus because ain't nobody else going to help your soul on that day. Ain't nobody else going to help your soul on that day. Amen. The only one that can help your soul on that day is your Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Your Lord, Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that he will lighten your soul right now. Other people may fail you. Other people may walk away. But the one I'm banking my life on, when my eyes close in death, he's going to be there for me. Amen. They, they won't be there. He will. Amen. My friends, people that you, you know on Facebook, they're not going to be there when you close your eyes in death. Your mom, your dad, they not, the, when you close your eyes in death, it's going to be Jesus that receives you. It's going to be Jesus that receives you. Amen. It's going to be Jesus that receives you. And that's. That's what we're talking about tonight, today, the light of God. John chapter 8, verse number 12. I love reading red letters whenever I preach. Let the Lord talk on the matter, right? It says, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Friends, I want to tell you today that God does not desire that you walk in darkness. Some of us in here today have walked in darkness regarding certain issues, but I want you to know God wants to turn on the light for you regarding whatever issue that is. Whatever issue that is in your life, I want you to know God wants to turn the light on for you. Don't walk in darkness anymore. Don't walk in darkness anymore. You're not, let me say it like this. You're not alone. You're not battling this thing on your own. Amen. Let God turn on the light and show you that he's there with you. It was a time when the prophet of God was with one of his, one of his prophets, and they were surrounded by the enemy. And when that young man said, what are we going to do? Look at all these people. We're surrounded by the enemy. And that old prophet of God said, Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes. And when he prayed, that man began to see that the army of God was surrounding the enemy. The army of God was surrounding the enemy. I want you to know that's the kind of light you need right now. You need God to open your eyes, to turn on the light so that you know you're not alone in this. God is with you. God loves you. He's a revealing God. Some of you are battling this or battling that, but I want you to know God is the Lord of the battle. He's the Lord of the battle. He's the comforter. Amen. You may say, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. Let the Lord turn on some light for you because God's got you. God is a comforter. He, com he knows. Listen to me. He knows how to comfort the afflicted. All we know how to do is pat somebody on the back, tell them, you know, it's going to get better. We, we pray for you. We brought you some food to eat while you're suffering. But you know what? The Lord doesn't comfort like that. He knows how to truly comfort the afflicted. He knows how to be peace in the midst of chaos. He knows how to sustain your soul when everything is waging war against you. He knows how to keep you at peace, just like he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were in that fiery furnace. 
furnace, God had them. God had them. In fact, God got so excited, he went down there with them and joined them in the, in the fiery furnace. He went down there and had a party with them in the fiery furnace. But you know what? God will come down right into your situation because he loves you and he wants you to know who he is. I don't know what you're going through, but I know God wants to turn on a light for you so that you can see he'll be in that situation with you. That's who our God is. He came to die for our sins and he came to be a light for those that are in darkness. Many people are in darkness today. Amen. Amen. Many people are in darkness today. I pray today, as we close our Christmas message out, that you're not in darkness over a situation. Don't let the devil throw some shade at you. Let every area of your life have God's light on it. Be able to know who Jesus is in every situation. Charles Spurgeon said one time, he said he wanted to preach. His desire in preaching is so that the people in his church would be able to pick up their Bible at any verse and be able to relate it to the cross. Be able to relate it to the cross. You know what that is? That's called turn the light on in your situation. That's called turn the light on in your situation. Your situation, I I want you to know this, God has light for your situation. Well, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. Well, you still need God's light to walk in. Hello? Hello? You need to know God doesn't leave his children. You need to know God doesn't forsake his children. You need to know that God's a provider for his children. You need to know that God is the sustainer of the soul of his children. You need to know who your deliverer is. Every situation that we find ourselves in, I want you to know God's willing to shed light in that situation. Show you who he is in it. Amen. Amen. Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you that you've, that, that you've come to this earth, that you died on that cross for us. And Lord, that you provide light, that you lighten every Gentile, every person. Your desire is to shed light in our situation. Lord, I pray that you would begin to reveal to your people right now. Lord, as we pray Lord, I pray that you would show us, Lord, areas of our life where we've been walking in darkness. Show us areas of our life where we've been walking outside of your light. And God, I pray for a spirit of humility to come upon your people today. Lord, let us be humble. Let us not be proud. Let us be humble, God, that we can receive your light today. Lord, I thank you that you're willing to dissipate the darkness that we've been in that you're willing to shed new light, fresh revelation upon our lives today. And Lord, we need that fresh manna from heaven. We need that fresh manna from heaven. And God, I pray you would provide it for your children today. As we open up our altars right now, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Come and throw yourself upon him. This Christmas morning, I believe the most beautiful thing we could do is just ask the Lord. Ask the Lord for help. He came to be help. He came to help the helpless. He came to save the lost. He came to comfort the afflicted. He came to heal the wounded. He came to deliver the bound. He came to set captives free. 
He came to set captives free. This morning, this morning, if you need God to shed light in a situation, please come forward. Or if you just want to thank God this Christmas morning for giving you light. If you want to thank God for taking you out of darkness and into light, come and give him honor this morning at these altars. Amen. Lord, we open up these altars for your glory, God. We open up these altars for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.